Welcome everybody, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash, this is Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 in Three Oaks, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Three Oak, out of uh, Sawyer, Michigan. I'm John Goldman, and uh, my co-host Adam Conley is not here tonight. He had other things he had to take care of, but I'm very happy to welcome our guest today, it's Ed Russ, also known as Jock Karma from Austin, Texas, DJ extraordinaire, and uh, good to have him in the studio. What's going on, Ed? Good to have you. John, thanks for having me. Great to be here. All right. A little secret, Ed's my brother-in-law, but, uh, you know, also a very well-known musician around Austin, Texas, and we're going to get a chance to talk with him. Uh, We are sponsored by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And right now we're going to listen to a little bit more of Ed's work. He's a DJ. Uh, We'll talk to him in a few minutes, but here's an example. I grew up in a place called Ensom City. Spanish town grooving. Everybody Spanish town, my bond, that's where I come from. From the looking at my face, you see a de la vegan. Well, I say, Max and Glazer and Chief Federation. Strictly roots and culture play for nice station. Yo, yeah, yeah, me letting all you, them and all the money promoter. We are doing this to the dance, done, ram ready. Spain town original. I'm in every string cut over Spanish town hospital. To me, my name, Nana Spanish town original. I'm a poop on him, can Spanish town original. I'm a granny name, Peggy Spanish town original. Original, them colors stick a cash down normal. Fear grandson, chronic such a field marshal. If I dance at school, we are the principal, and now we are the real microphone officials. Give them a new style, a spurling in a me goodies, I'm a well physical. Well, I'm offering proper chronic microphone official. Me read me Bible every day, and some well biblical. I meditate in the morning, some well spiritual. I said, the original chronic represent. Presenting from prison over live and direct, hear me now. I grew up in a place called De La Vega, De La Vega. Spanish town rocking, over prison over, yeah. I grew up in a place called Ensom City, Spanish town Feeling good, 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 feeling good, 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 feeling good, 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 feeling good, good, 
She gave me a number yesterday. So me better pick the phone and call today. Me have to take a shower, go and find nice flowers. Me a go as the Empress Piadie. So get ready, but now hurry. Me need some herbs, and press love the calling. Long time you've been waiting for this queen to give me your smile. At first I'm afraid she won't give me no chance at all. No me ready if you make the phone call. We heard that Russ, Ja Karma from Austin, Texas, and uh, Ed uh, grew up in Chicago, and he uh, lived in San Francisco for a while, moved to Austin about 20 years ago, and began DJing, uh, and I'm not talking about working on a radio station, he um, does parties and, and dance clubs and stuff like that, I, we'll let him talk about that. Ed, welcome to the show. Really great to have you on. And, uh, yeah, so uh, where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in uh, Chicago in the 1970s, so a fun time to be walking around the city near uh, Broadway um, and uh Taking and the bus, walking to Lincoln Park. You, you had it all, I remember. Exactly. So funny growing up in the city and shooting hoops and feeling the energy of Chicago was a really uh, – fun and interesting and diverse place to grow up. So I think that was the very beginning of some, you know, musical influences in my life was the sound of the city. All right. I'm going to get this out of the way right now. You're like the coolest dude I ever knew growing up. Yeah, you definitely had a, a, a good existence. You were not that suburban kid. You you know, you had a lot of exposure to cool stuff and experiences and, and all that. And then uh, you... Uh, Met my sister-in-law, I know, in college, and you guys moved out to San Francisco for a while. How long were you there? Um, well, so we were in San Francisco for about seven years. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, about seven yeah. years in the Bay Area, which is also a big influence, and then uh, over to Austin, Texas. But if you know, if we're thinking through musical influences in my sort of DJ stages, um, I mean, definitely the, the energy of the city in the 70s, hands down, definitely was the starting point, the pulse of the city. Um but I also would think back to, you know, my parents playing on their eight-track cassettes, some stuff like Neil Diamond or opera or classical or ABBA. But it didn't matter. There was always some music playing. And while I don't necessarily listen to those today, um, that idea of sort of music as always being um, in the background is something that has stayed with me. Um, but definitely, um, you know, through that and getting into, uh, you know, middle school in the 80s and then, and then discovering classic rock as a ninth grader led me on my journey really to the Grateful Dead. Yeah. And yeah. that's been a big influence on my life, as you know, over the years and, you know, probably saw close to 100 shows and traveled around and sold T-shirts. And, you know, it was my first exploration into uh, being a sole adventurer and traveling all over the world. 
um, was that 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 intro to the Grateful Dead. Um, but that jam band, that exploration of music, has stayed with me, even though I've uh, gone through many different genres in my musical and DJ career. That idea of a musical journey is the starting point to everything that I play. Well, cool. And I know that, uh, you know, aside from the Grateful Dead, you like other jam bands like Fish and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I'm a big fan, too. It's it's about that spontaneous creativity that, you know, surrounds a particular song. You know, they write a song, they maybe record it or maybe don't. But then when they play it live, they, they take it to the next level. They dig into this corner. They dig into that corner. They you know, kind of take the melody and, and go around it and go up and down and come back to it finally at the end, like jazz uh, uh, rock, basically. But um, in listening to some of, you know, like what we listened to just a few minutes ago, uh, your transitions from song to song uh, kind of have that same thought put into it, it seems to me. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when I DJ, I like to take people on a musical journey. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a good DJ. I don't consider myself the best technical DJ, but that's not really what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm a selector, and I have an incredible uh, collection of music that crosses, you know, amazing amounts of genres that people don't always expect. Um, and so I really like to also surprise people maybe with something that they wouldn't expect when I'm playing it for them. Um, so I, I love to take people on that journey. Yes. How did that all get started? I mean, from being a, uh, someone who went to concerts and, and like seeing shows to actually creating and entertaining and, you know, doing it by playing the music that you liked or, or wanted people to hear. Right. Great question. Well, I would say a couple of things happened on my musical journey. Um, so the Grateful Dead journey, the jam band journey, discovering fish, you know, late 80s into 90 in college and, and getting on that bandwagon for a while, moving out to the Bay Area, which is an incredible, incredible music, live music community out there. And that was so the early days of Acid Jazz and Charlie Hunter at the Up and Down Club and just and just amazing, diverse range of music. Um, then something else happened in my musical journey, which is I... I took a year's leave and tr with traveled with Beth, my wife around the world in Southeast Asia for a year. And that uh, opened up my mind to a whole nother global rhythm that was happening across the globe, whether it's, uh, you know, Zakir Hussain in India or, or Balinese Gamelan um, or Fela Kuti from Nigeria or Nusrat Fatih, Fatah Ali Khan, you know, a whole world of music opened up to me that I had not experienced before I traveled uh, for that year. And so, you know, that had a big impact on me, especially Nusrat Fatah Ali Khan and Fela Kuti, who both ironically then died shortly after we traveled the same year. Um, and it was at that point I went to a party in the uh, Upper Haight in San Francisco in a Victorian three-bedroom flat right near Golden Gate Park. And I remember going to that party, and it was a couple guys living there. It was a big party, a lot of people hanging out. And, you know, their kitchen was basically transformed into with turntables and a mixer and LPs everywhere. The second bedroom had a second DJ set up with a guy spinning CDs, people partying and dancing all over. And I walked into that second bedroom and I'm watching the guy DJ and he's got a mixer that was probably like, you know, the most basic mixer you could get from Radio Shack. He had a full on regular size CD player 
as one source, and he had his Discman as the second source, and he was rocking it, and people were dancing. And I was watching him do that, and I thought, okay, if that guy can DJ this party with what he has, I can be a DJ. Yeah. And I went out the next day to Market Street, and I went to one of the sort of you know, radio stores, and I bought a mixer, and I set up my CD player, I set up my Discman, and I started DJing. So you didn't just – I mean, it didn't start from you just wanting to play – different songs for people or saying hey check this out I, this is an album i found or this is a cd i found you just one day decided based on that that you were gonna uh just start entertaining people by being a dj well i would say yeah that's a good question there's a little bit more i guess background to that i also would say is i was always the person who made mixtapes uh-huh. and start, even starting in high school through college and two things i was the person who walked into a party and waited till no one was looking and took off their tape <laughs> and put on one of my mixtapes. All ah, right. So I think, um, you know, I was also loved in college to drive and play my song, and I'd put the windows down to make sure people could hear it. So I think I always liked to influence people with what I thought was a choice of really good music. Um, I like to think I have a pretty good sense of good music over the years. And so I think that combined with um, this experience of watching this other person DJing and feeling like, I, I really like to do that. How do you start? Those two worlds came together. I started DJing just in my, in my house. I had a couple of friends who started DJing. We started to put together a couple of parties. That, at that point, was kind of more psychedelic trance, electronic music. Uh, kind this of was going on in San, San Francisco? Francisco? This was San Francisco. Um, also global kind of Indian stuff mixed down the top. And we really kind of got into that and then getting into some reggae. Um, so that was, that was, uh, you know, kind of around 99, 2000, 2001 and 2001 moved to Austin. And very shortly after moving to Austin, I got a weekly DJ gig at a restaurant. Um, Vivo. Vivo was second. <laughs> oh, Vivo it was, the was second. second. One? I remember that. Um, but uh, Polvo's on South First Street in Austin, Texas, was the very first one with Oscar, the owner. And uh, w- I would bring in speakers, an amp, you know, mixer, CD players. And I played there, you know, every week for a couple years. Um, and at that point, moved over to Vivo, which had a, had a, had a nine-year run of Friday Night Funky Global, global yeah. Beats. Yeah, and, and that ended well, – well, we'll get into that. But when you, uh, when you first started – out did you uh collect vinyl did you collect cds did you pull stuff off the internet you know how are you gathering up this music that you uh starting to get interested in well i've always collected music so first it was tapes and i had a collection of amazing grateful dead tapes and other live classic rock and different things that i had then i started early, very you know early into when the cds came out i was definitely an early adapter i remember getting grateful dead dead set as my very first cd at the, at, the, at the CD store. It was a good yeah. one. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a good one to have. <laughs> and I started collecting CDs. So over the years, I had collected quite a amount of CDs and, and many different genres, whether it was jazz or blues or kind of jam band Grateful Dead or reggae. You know, I, I had a large collection. So when I first started, as I kind of mentioned, I had the full CD player and a, and a, and a Discman. Um, when I first started DJing out, say, at Povo's, even at Vivo for a few years – I would carry my duffel bag of CDs with me in my different kind of all in their cases by genre. I'd open it up, see what genre. I'm in the funk genre. I'd play some James Brown or, you know, Ohio players. And I move into, uh, you know, some soul and some Downey Hathaway or move into some reggae and put on some Bob Marley. So I'd have my genres of CDs 
and it was all CDs. And I evolved from a full CD deck and a Discman to some CDJs by Pioneer and then upgraded the CDJ. So as it's kind of interesting, right? Kind of, you know, ages me a little bit, but early adapter of the technology. But as the CD players and things started to evolve, I evolved with those. And then at some point, even though I was resistant to wanting to use a laptop, right? At some point we all digitized, at least most of us, right? You took your CDs and you figure out a way to rip them. So I built my digital collection based on what I ripped. And at some point, even though you want to resist as a DJ looking at a laptop, I just said, you know what? I'm already digital. CDs are digital. They're not vinyl. I never grew up with, you know, DJing with vinyl. So this is just the next evolution of the DJ equipment, which is a laptop. And I use Tractor, which is the software native instruments. And I bought a controller. And next thing I knew, you know, you've embraced the digital world. And I've just grown with that ever since. When you first started out and you uh, were using your Discman and using a, a you know, full disc CD player, uh, did, uh, what, you know, what, what kind of technology was there to mix those together and, and create other sounds and create other tones and stuff that as you were playing the, the music? Yeah, really early on, um, you know, y- you would try to mix somewhat if you could the beats, but it kind of depends on the genre, right? When I was playing electronic music or house music or, you know, it's a lot easier to mix those beats by ear because it's it's very consistent drum beat because it's electronic. Um, if you're mixing genres, that becomes a little harder because you've got reggae into Indian into funk. But at the same time, because of the lack of sort of technology, you kind of got creative with it, right? You maybe uh-huh. listen for a little uh, loop, maybe a little Indian or Hindu loop, and you'd, we'd put that on a loop and repeat that and on the CD player and then bring the next one in. And so it kind of actually added to some creativity as well. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, and does that help you in how you do it now through your laptop? I mean, it just makes it that much easier because you kind of had that understanding at that base level when you were dealing uh, with it in an analog way i think definitely it's uh definitely made it easier and you know the technology just evolved so you know it's definitely easier on the digital realm and with with the software um but as i said kind of before to me always most important to me is the selection you know what's the journey i'm going to take the listener on um it's going to sound good I, i'm going to make sure it's not a train wreck i'm pretty good at that i gonna make sure it flows um, and it's going to be a rockin', you know, if I want it to be a rockin' dance floor set, it's going to be a rockin' dance floor set. If it's going to be more of a, you know, a, a reggae set, you know, that's the other thing, you know, reggae has been a huge influence for me as well. Um, so while I call my style funky global beats, that encompasses really everything that I do. Um, you know, I would say I play reggae, I play Latin, I play African, I play jam band stuff, I play funk, I play soul, I play hip hop, um, and the reggae has been a big part, and so I've you know been fortunate and lucky to kind of get into the reggae scene in Austin and be able to open up for some really fantastic people. Um, got to open up for Revolution a number of times at Stubbs. Um, oh yeah, and that's you know long story, but I had taught the lead singer back in the day at Drew School uh-huh. in San Francisco. Yeah. It was Eric Rachmani, who's an amazing, and his band is amazing. So that was a great opportunity, and opened up for the Whalers, and opened up for Bunny Whaler on a separate occasion and Jesse Royal going to play with the meditations coming up next week or in two weeks at the Flamingo Cantina. So that's been a real blessing and fun. The, the, the reggae scene in Austin is small, um, but it's got one of my favorite clubs ever, the Flamingo Cantina. 
Um, it's a tiny club, you know, maybe 300 people max. And so you really get intimate with the performers who come through there. Um, so that's, that's fantastic and been really great. When you were in San Francisco, did you uh, play out at clubs and stuff? Or was this more where you were getting your feet wet and just doing it for friends and things like that? Yeah, definitely more in San Francisco was my introduction to being a DJ. Um, but we played, I played at parties. We did some uh, shows at some art galleries. Um, so I did get to play out, but really that was more the beginning of my journey as a DJ. When I moved to Austin and I went out and got the gig, after playing a couple of friends' party, went out and got the gig at Povo's. That was the beginning of really kind of starting to be also a working DJ who's also getting paid weekly yeah. for a gig, which led to the you know Vivo, which I played for you know nine years. Yeah. Um, so nine years, four hours straight weekly. So now you're more of a entertainer where, you know, you're there to uh, provide music. You know, you talked about opening for all those bands. That's, that's awesome. At what point did you go from, you know, doing, uh, doing shows where you were sort of uh, doing the music that other people wanted to hear to being able to do a show that you wanted to do? with with the music that you wanted to relay or has that been your thing all the time uh, yeah i was trying to think about how to answer that i mean honestly starting i've always been the dj who you know i'm gonna always read the room obviously because you you want it to make sense for uh the other people who are experiencing what you're providing for them but i'm also someone who i, I feel like i have a good uh sense of where I want the music to come from and I want to share that with you and I'm pretty confident you're going to like it. So um, I've always been one to kind of play my own set and play what I want to play um, and not really take requests very much. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm about to get a hand-painted sign that says no requests. Um, so, you know, even my current weekly gigs at, at Kitty Cones in East Side of Austin right now called Nice Time, I mean, I, it's going to be funky global beats, but you know the first hour may be all reggae, right? And and super fun and Studio One and maybe some new stuff. And then I might go into some cumbia. I might play some African. I might go into some disco. I might end up some house. I might bring it back to reggae. Like I, I need to have some time and energy to, or space to play what I want to play, and that's what's really fun for me to to do. That's what I like to do. Yeah. So all right. So you know, you sometimes. You, you, as a lay person in this industry, you go to a wedding or you go to a party and people are, uh, you know, giving the guy uh, um, little notes of what they want to hear. That doesn't happen at, at uh, Jack Harma's show. Um, people come give me notes and ask me for things and I generally respectfully say, I don't think I have that track. <laughs> I go, oh, I don't have that track. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's usually what happens. Yeah. So did you... Um, uh, when you were in San Francisco, did you meet up with uh, any other DJs out there or, or musicians that um, kind of influenced where you ended up? Um, well, I started DJing as a couple of my other friends were also beginning to getting into DJing. So my friend Anon, my friend Shuki, who's Israeli, were also getting into Israeli trance and, 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 and starting to uh, kind of dabble in that. So that was definitely an influence to kind of learn it together a little bit. And enjoy DJing together. Um, and my friend Anon also, um, at the very same time, we were making very early on, we were recording CDs together and mixes 
on a little MP3 recorder, right? And we'd we'd make an hour and twenty minute mix and we'd record that and then burn it to a CD. So those are our very first mix CDs versus mixtapes. So that was definitely an influence. Um, and the scene in San Francisco at that time, you know, uh, definitely sort of the acid jazz, the hip hop scene, um, lots of clubs, some R and B stuff happening there, and uh, the reggae street and reggae in the Bay Area was always strong. So that was also a big influence. Oh, cool. All right, you've been lis- you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. Adam Conley, my co-host, is unavailable today. And we are here with DJ Jock Harma from Austin, Texas, uh, Ed Russ, as we all know him. And uh, wanted to. we're on WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks. And you can also listen to us at WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. We are underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics uh, out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And I want to play some of uh, Ed's music here, give you an example of some of the stuff that he does at uh, at shows. Uh, Ed, we got this art outside and uh, uh, something from Lava Lounge. What What do you think? Um, you could play the art outside. Um, that's what we started with. Yeah. Um, so you can fast forward a little bit, maybe just jump somewhere in the, you know, about a quarter of the way through just to kind of give a little different diverse sound. This art outside is a festival, uh, that ran for a few years in Austin, Texas. Um, really, really nice festival, camping festival, um, DJs, bands, you know, artists, uh, sculptures, Sounds awesome. uh, fire dancers. Um, it was a really and a good community of musicians and artists coming together. It's taking a little break right now, Art uh-huh. Outside. Um, but this was from a, two years ago, I think, and I played right before one of my favorite world bands in Austin called Atosh, um, which is amazing. All right, let's check it out. Now I'm turning around and let the board play. Now I'm turning around and let the board play. 
We are back with Ed Russ, also known as Jock Harma, uh, a DJ out of Austin, Texas. And Ed, we were just playing some of your stuff, uh, one of your mixes from Art Outside from September of 2017. And we were talking during the break or during the song about... Oh. <laughs> it's your son's music. Uh, we were just talking about uh, the Art Outside Festival. That was in Austin, Texas, or near Austin, Texas? Right, just outside Austin, Texas, uh, in Apache Pass on some private land. Great festival. All right. So uh, what kind of stuff do they have there? I mean, is this like a typical uh, festival that they have out um, out there? Um, you know, they had that Art Outside going for a number of years. It's taking a little break, as I said before. But DJs, um, live, they added some live bands and um, live performance art. Uh, live painting to live music, really, really fun. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a special festival. I was, I was lucky to be a part of it, um, and hopefully someday it will come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, yeah, the other mix in there, there's, uh, you know, I also, besides reggae and my own uh, funky global beats, nice time, regular monthly party in East Austin, um, I also play with a DJ collective uh, known as Lava Lounge, Oh, that's uh, I thought that was a location. Um, lounge. It's a group. It's a community. Oh, cool. Um, and we are a large sound camp at Flipside, which is the um, regional Burning Man party for Austin, Texas. So, well, Burning Man has, say, 70,000 people. Uh, uh, Flipside party in Austin has about 3,000 people. Where's um, that one? Where that, that, that? That, that, that also is on some private land about an hour and 20 minutes from Austin near Taylor, Texas. I um, mean, that happens every Memorial Day weekend. And uh, so that DJ collective, I've, I've you know been a part of that collective for 10 plus years. Um, and that is mostly all electronic music, so house music. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, and, and we play that party every year. And many of those DJs go out to Burning Man. We also play fundraisers and other parties in Austin. So the Jungle Glam uh, mix that's on there yeah, was yeah. from our fundraiser that we had in June. Um, at a warehouse in East Austin, about 400 people that helped raise money to fund our camp that we bring out to Flipside every year. Um, that's an amazing metal structure that, that um, some artists who are in our camp, Harvey and his brother, built. Um, and we have an amazing dance floor with LED lights that um, are programmed by someone else in our camp, Casey. An amazing group of DJs and an amazing group of communities who come together to kind of give this to Flipside every year for four days. And we DJ and um, eight to ten DJs, and and so um, that was from a fundraiser for our camp. All right. So these DJs, this group of DJs you're talking about, uh, are they have their own style and they're doing their own thing? But you guys all kind of uh, travel together and work together and organize things together. Exactly. So it's a you know it's a it's a sort of uh, always evolving and changing group as people come and go. Um, but you know, good core eight to ten DJs. Um, and yeah, all of them are professional DJs who've DJed all over Austin or beyond. Um, some have their own record label. One run, runs uh, Gravitas Records out of Austin, Texas. Jesse Breda, um, they do great stuff on that. It's a good record label for you to check out. Cool. Um, you know, another Ryan King has a sound company, Nomad Sound, in Austin, Texas. So he provides the sound for us, which is amazing. And Travis Bonnet and Brian Banner and Casey, we, we've got just and, and Gma, we've got a great group of DJs, very very fun. So the the track that we just listened to, I, I, already I, we didn't even listen to that much of it. You know, it, it goes on for hours, but 
I, you know, I heard some Indian sounding music and there was some reggae in there. And then uh, towards the end there, you know, was a whole different variety of music. So this sounds like, you know, a typical or an example of the the multiple sources you pull from around the world and then you have the ability to blend them all together. You know, what's your kind of thought process when you're blending all these different songs from different countries and different styles and genres when you're putting them all together? That's a great question. I have to think if I have a plan. I, well, I, no, I sometimes I mean, have a plan. It kind of just evolves. So I, I think I... Uh, you t- you're talking about looking for a loop. and, and Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, that was a good example, too, because it had some, you know, obviously some uh, kind of Bangra, Bollywood influence. We went into a funk remix of Stevie Wonder. And then we went into some cumbia, right? And uh, and that's typical Jakarma funky global beats, right? You kind of I'm going to take you all over the globe. You don't know where you're going to go, and you might go somewhere and end up somewhere else, and it might bring you back, kind of like the jam band music, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's where you see that influence. Um, I also would say similar to the Grateful Dead and jam band influence is, you know, jam music and the Dead especially were one of the forefronts of that. They take you on a journey and they lead you up to somewhere and it kind of explodes and then it comes back together. So I do like to do that with my music as well. Um, and then finally, I also sometimes like to mix in some, um, you know, maybe lyrics or melodies that people recognize. I think people uh-huh. love that. It pulls them back in maybe. Exactly. You know, maybe they're zoning out. Maybe they're right. drinking their drink. But then they're like, hey, that sounds like Stevie Wonder. Right, and I like to play that, but it's not. Maybe it's not the original, or maybe it's like uh-huh. a re-edit of it or a remix right. where they hear the loop. But that sounds familiar, then it goes somewhere else. I think you know sometimes with electronic music, especially, it can get pretty repetitive. Maybe tech house or, or you know some genres of house music, and I like to have something that grounds people and brings them back in. Yeah, and then it also kind of ties them back into something tribal, whether it's Latin or African, um, is also important to me. Now. When you uh, play at um, you know a festival like that, it's going to be different than a regular Friday night gig where people are eating their dinner at Vivo, right? So you, you kind of anticipate that when you're coming in there. What's your you know how do you prep for something like that? Do you bring every song that you have in your library, or do you figure, well, all right, I'm going to do this and do that? What what you know what's your how do you plan for that? For festival sets, I like to at least put together um, a playlist of some songs. Generally, for me, um, I have other DJ friends who really like to get their set exactly right and put the 10 songs that they're playing in the order that they're going to play them. I tend to not do that, but I will. be tied down to any. Exactly. Got to be free. Got to be free. But I will maybe, I'll have some tracks, maybe some new ones I've been listening to or things that I want to play. And I'll put them in a playlist so I know they're easily kind of – I can tap into them pretty quickly and check it out. Um, and then for me, it's it's kind of a feel. I'm looking at BPMs, obviously, to kind of you know not jump around too, too much. And, and you want the energy. It's really about the energy. You know, right. you don't want to start out hitting it hard unless maybe it's 1 a.m. And the person before you is already hitting hard and the energy is really high. Then you've uh-huh. got to come in pretty hard. Yeah. But maybe it's a festival and it's, you know – you're playing before the headliner and it's seven in the evening, you know, and people are kind of coming in and having drinks and getting ready. You kind of want to ease them in and then build them up. So that's important too, to really think about the energy of the room. What are you, what are you trying to do? 
And your skill is in picking the songs and in transitioning from one song to another and choosing the next song. Uh, you know, what goes in, what goes through your mind as you're kind of doing that transition? You know, how do you, how do you decide, okay, I'm going to do it like this, or I'm going to do it like that. Is it just spontaneous? It just, you, you feel what's going on? You know, how, how does that go? Um, I think there's a couple things. I think one, as I said before, you know, I'm always definitely paying attention to BPMs. And that with software, you can see beats per minute, right? Yeah. Beats per minute. So if I'm at 110 beats per minute, I don't really want to probably jump to a 120. It just You can, and I could mix them, but you don't necessarily want to do that. Uh-huh. So, you know, you want to be mindful. Maybe I want to bring the energy up, so maybe I'm going to bring in a 112, and then I'm going to go to 114. So you can kind of build it. Uh-huh. That's part of building the energy. Also, so make sure that it, it, it matches in my, my headphone. I might get a little... Uh, maybe a lyric that's re- and I might put that on repeat and take out the bass and kind of I'm listening how does that sound over and bring that up lower the bass on the main one bring in this bass and next thing you know we got this next track and we're into the next track so there's a lot of different techniques to make that mix smooth um, and again I think it's about like where, where, where are you right now in the set where do you want to take the people who are dancing and listening where do you want to take them all right, so you brought up the the ability to be able to reduce the the bass on one song and increase the bass on another song. That that kind of gets me to wonder, you know, what kind of equipment do you use for all this? I mean, obviously you got a laptop with the songs stored on it, uh, maybe some CDs, CD players, but what actually allows you to um, do that where you're decreasing the bass or transitioning from one song to another? Right, so what I I have a MacBook Pro with all my music on it, and then I use software um, called Tractor, made by Native Instruments. Um, so that's the software on the computer on the laptop that almost looks like two imagine two decks and a mixer. So this is all on a laptop these days. You don't have a physical mixer. I do have a physical you mixer. So physical mixer. Uh, there is the software you could play internally. I never do. It's hard to do. You're moving a mouse. That's not what you want to do. Right, right. But the software is 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 where the music is playing and things are running from the software. And I have a, a physical controller, also made by Tractor, called the S8. So they have an S8. They have an S. Four, they have an S2, different sizes. The S8 is pretty big. You could run four different decks off it. You could connect someone else's, another DJ into that one. I mean, it's very versatile, and it's well-made. I mean, it's, it's their top-of-the-line, uh, and it works with Tractor. And so I'm only touching the computer just a little bit, and really everything else is on a controller that would be the equivalent of two turntables and a mixer or two CD players and a mixer, but it's just in one controller. So... You've got treble, you've got mid, you've got bass control, you've got filters, you've got effects, just like you would have a mixer when you're mixing two records or whatever you're playing. So yeah. I have a tactile, physical mixer that I play on. Everything happens on that. Any effects that you just avoid or don't like to use? Um, that's an interesting question. I actually would say there's a couple effects I like to use the most, and I don't really use a ton of effects. Um, I think there's always a balance between effects that sound awesome and really cool and DJs that you're like, you're just overusing effects and it really doesn't sound very good, right? <laughs> so I try to use, um, I mean, I always use the high and low pass filter, right? So one lets the highs in only and it takes out the bass and one lets the lows in only takes out the highs. Um, I use delay a lot uh, and flanger kind of gives it a nice effect. And the delay is a great, you know, a great use to kind of also, you can freeze a delay where it kind of echoes the song out and another one starts. And that's a great way 
especially maybe when you want to mix a genre because the energy might have been high and there's house music, but you can sense maybe you need to kind of bring it back down and I might echo that out and drop it down to 80 and throw in a reggae track and people are, you know, are looking at like, wow, that just happened. But it, you can do it because of some of those effects. So I've, I think over the years, as you start to use Travis Bonnet, uh, Travis Brakes showed me that effect back when we played uh, South by Southwest. That was a few years back, actually. We, we were the resident DJs in, in the lounge outside the convention center. I think we were there for five days, like all day playing music for people coming in and out. It's hilarious. But he showed me that then. So thanks, Travis. <laughs> cool. So uh, Austin, Texas, uh, you know, it's well known as sort of this music capital. Um, and I perceive it as being the place where um, the, you know, the best of the best musicians play at relatively small venues, maybe get their start, have a, have a, some real solid ground for traveling around the country. Um, you, you know, do, do you find that there's a, um, a uh, instrument kind of, you know, culture and then there's a DJ kind of culture or is it all part of the same thing where everyone's just out there entertaining and no one's really focusing on what you're, what you're using to entertain? That is a very. I'm thinking about that question. It's an interesting question. I mean, there's there are scenes like in any city, and I think Austin is no different. First of all, the live music is absolutely incredible. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's the live music capital of the world, and it's got that name for a reason. You can see live music seven nights a week. Yeah. And the venues are fantastic. Um, and at the same time, there's challenges. Just like any other city, it's challenging to be an artist in Austin right now. It's challenging to be a musician. Yeah. They don't get paid well. And it's tough. It's expensive to live. So there's its challenges. But the music scene is thriving in many, many ways. I think the DJ scene is a little bit more complicated is what I would say. Um, If you're an electronic DJ, maybe playing house music, recently two clubs shut down, right? So two of the kind of bigger clubs didn't really make it in Austin where maybe Chicago or New York or L.A. or San Francisco, electronic music thrives a little bit more. Um, We've got a great even though it's small, but an amazing reggae community in Austin. So between Flamingo Cantina and a couple other venues um, and also obviously the Austin Reggae Fest that happens in the spring, you know, we, we get touring reggae musicians coming through. And so I've been fortunate to be able to open for some of them, just as a couple other DJ colleagues of mine, um, you know, Ross G, for example, or Ja Bill have had the opportunity to open for, for great people in Austin. Um, so I think in the end, we're all trying to make a have a good time together and that's what you know austin austin likes to have a good time and and uh it's a young city both in the tech industry and with ut so there's a lot of people who are in you know it's 100 people move there a day so it's booming so in the end i would say djs and live musicians are there to make sure people have a good time and and, and really share great music how do you uh get your gigs you know uh i know that you had that standing um, engagement at Vivo and uh, at the prior uh, place, but uh, you know, and I I've, I went to a couple of those, and so I, I recognized what was going on. You know, people coming there for dinner and happy to be listening to music, and you know, you always took things very seriously. But now you're branching off into all kinds of stuff. You know, you've got um, you're opening for um, actual uh, instrument playing musicians, and you're playing at at uh, festivals and stuff like that. So, you know, how did that come about that you were um, able to get these particular gigs? 
yeah, I'd say it's a combination of things. I think, um, you know, some of them after you've played long enough in Austin, you know, I've been there for 18 plus years, right? And probably playing for most of that time. So after a while, you know, even though Austin is a, a big city, right, it's, um, it's still small and you get to know people in the community. Um, so, um, uh, you know, knowing people and, and, and people who run some of these festivals start to reach out to you, that's one way. Um, and I'd say secondly, I think um, if you want a DJ gig in Austin, kind of like if you're a musician in Austin, you got to be ready to hustle. And if you're not ready to hustle and you're not ready to kind of network, nothing's really going to come to you. Um, so, you know, you, you, you know, if you want to get a new monthly, like it's going to take time to reach out and establish a relationship with the venue that you think makes sense that matches, for example, for me, Your style, my style, like I, I, you know, for nice time right now, Kitty Cones, it's a great, it's a great match. They're awesome over there and they're, they're very chill. And it's a good vibe and they're free to let me play whatever I want to play. So, so is that what's the name of the place? Is Kitty Cones. Kitty Cones, and then Nice Time is kind of like your, um, uh, the name of the, of what you're doing there. That's the, that's the name of the event. Nice Time. Uh-huh. We're there to have a nice time. Uh, yeah, a Bob Marley track. All right. Yeah. So and, we're there to have a nice time, and you know, so you know, but I, it's you playing with you, you working with other people, right? It's not just you. Um, or? it's generally just me. Oh, okay. um, but I, I do plan to have some guests down the road. Um, we just started another night called Easy Skanking with me and Ross G. Um, so we're still, we played at one venue, we're looking for another venue, but we're going to rock it because he played all 45s, um, and Rashi has a great reggae collection. So that was super, super fun. Yeah. So we're looking to expand on that. And I'm playing a sound, like for example, I'm playing a sound system reggae party here in two weeks with five other, basically the top DJ selectors in Austin of reggae. And we're big sound system in a warehouse and I'm one of five DJs. And so they asked me to play and I'm more than happy to do super fun. And that's about – so some of that's just about community. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that's about you know an interesting festival. When I played Levitation Festival last year in Austin, which is actually a psych rock fest. Um, so it's kind of odd, right? You're like, well, how does Jacques Karma end up at the psych rock fest? I but I see that. Yeah. You know, I was like, <laughs> all right. Okay. But I played at, the, um, at Cheer Up Charlie's on Red River. Um, and I played with a local band, Golden Dawn Orchestra, which is like a Sun Ra-inspired uh-huh. – 15 people on the stage, dancers, like avant-garde. They played um, – I played with uh, Superphonicos, which is an up-and-coming, rising Afro-Colombian band and awesome that you should know, Superphonicos. Look all them right, up. Fantastic. Right. I, you know, anytime you yeah. ever suggest any music to me, it becomes yeah. my next favorite band. Groundation, you gave me a, their, them like 10 years yeah. ago. I still listen to them all the yeah. time. So, so check out Superphonicos and Golden Dawn Orchestra. These guys are great. So I ended up, you know, kind of fitting in. There's also another um, kind of uh, not a band that's very similar uh, to to Narrowin, which is like um, trance West Africa guitar in the likes of Alifarka Toure. So repetitive West African guitar, very simple and stripped down, but electric guitar with drums and. so between those three bands, I was sort of the connecting force uh-huh. of the DJ. How at, appropriate. Exactly. You know, Mr. Transition and you're exactly. working in between them. That's exactly. awesome. All right, man. We uh, let's, So we're close to the end of the radio hour, and then we're going to be going into the podcast hour. So if you're listening on the radio, check out our podcast. It's Johnny's Secret Stash, available through Podbean or iTunes. Uh, just at Johnny with no H. Search it, look it up, follow us, and then uh, then you'll get you know regular updates. 
Um, for the end of the radio hour, we're going to close out with uh, some more music from, from Jack Harma. It's Ed Russ from Austin, Texas. Happens to be my brother-in-law, but I'm learning all kinds jo- of new stuff. Johnny, how about, stuff. how about a Jungle Glam for him? Yeah, yeah. So yeah this, is, this is a nice fundraiser party, so imagine a little a, a, a full dance floor, midnight, and all kinds of fun shenanigans going on. <laughs> all right. All right, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on WRHC 106.7 and WRHZ 93.5 out of Three Oaks, Michigan and Sawyer, Michigan, respectively. Uh, We are underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. Check them out over there. And we are going to close out the radio hour with uh, Jack Karma, Ed Russ's Jungle Glam for, uh, played at the Lava Lounge on uh, June 27th, 2019. Um, but stick around for the podcast. And if you don't uh, have our podcast, I mean, if, if uh, you're only listening to the radio, then check out our podcast. Here we go.
All right, we're in the podcast time of the show, and I got uh, Ed Russ, Jack Jack Karma from DJ from Austin, Texas, with us, and that was uh, that was a very recent show at the Lava Lounge, Jungle Glam. Uh, what what is Jungle Glam? Lava Lounge is the location. Lava, Lava Lounge is our our collective oh, arts right. collective yeah, yeah. and community and DJ collective from Flipside, which is the regional Burning Man party for Austin, Texas. Additionally, a DJ collective, and this was a fundraiser that we threw at a warehouse in East Austin in June to raise funds for the arts camp for uh, our improvement to the structure and different things that we gift out. And so that was a fundraiser that we threw with the uh, lava lounge collective cool so who's involved in that uh, that's members of the lava lounge community which includes djs and dancers and uh incredible makers and creative people who do uh design the party um design metal structures fire dancers um i mean all kinds of creative people that come together cool uh, who like to have a good time and um, be creative so uh, we also have with us on a mic um, your number one roadie and uh, oldest son, Zev Russ. What's up, Zev? How you doing? All right. Zev Wolfman. <laughs> right. And uh, you're a traditional musician. I know you play guitar and compose. I uh, want to be able to try to play some of your music later on in the show, if that's all right. If you're yeah, okay sounds with that. good. Totally. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, you know, You've grown up with this, you yeah. know. You're uh, 15, right? Mm-hmm. And your dad's been doing this um, 25 years. So this is just part of your upgrading. You know, you got all that equipment sitting in the house, in and my closet, in your closet. He comes home at four, <laughs> and while I'm sleeping, I wake up because he's putting it all away. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to have to do it in the middle of the day. You know, exactly. get it put away. I usually help him, have him help me load up the car, unload the car, put him to work. Yeah. Got yeah. to learn somehow, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, have you had a chance to, to play out um, in Austin anywhere? Yeah, with my band. Well, it's part of our school, but we have a studio at our school. So we, we have uh, our, I guess, teacher is uh, Akina Adderley. Her grandfather is a uh, Cannonball Adderley, famous jazz musician. And so she is some really good taste in whatever we're playing so uh we played around we played at some cafes and schools around austin and then like kind of throwing around like a little more teaching the kids at schools like what it's like to be in a band and like just yeah it was really cool this year and hopefully this year we'll we'll i didn't get i felt as though i didn't have enough guitar solos (laughs) this this year gotta have guitar solos very important but yeah it was really cool and so this is the kind of stuff that they do in the Austin schools. Do you go to a public school, private school? I go to a small private, private, progressive arts like college prep school. So we have like, it's new. We have a whole new building where we now have a music studio, and so we it's super tiny, but we we fit. We had last year we had uh, all we had like five singers, we had a pianist, drum. We had our teacher who played on electric drum set, who's also a producer in te- in Austin. So you recognize that most schools don't have a, a studio and they don't have teachers that you know know the industry and can yeah. like actually educate you. That's quite an experience. What's the name of your band? Um, well, it's called the our school is called the Griffin School, the so Griffin School House Band. So we play like we played the Beatles, some like 
hopefully we'll do some Pink Floyd or some classic rock this year. We did like, I mean, it, last year it was me and then six or seven other girls. So, you know, I didn't have much say yeah. in what we were playing. He was the only freshman. Yeah. So, so it was all like juniors and seniors. Wow. And wow. So it was a lot of like avant-garde, kind of like, I didn't even know any of the people <laughs> they were playing. It was like all this, mostly girl singers, but yeah, it was cool and it was way cool experience just to have like musicians be our teachers and it's not just like a band director yeah right. zeb like has that. also you know gotten to play with some professional musicians in truth or consequences new mexico as well tell uh, them about that zev yeah, yeah we have some friends who have a studio and uh got to play with them jam with them little do session all kinds work of stuff. yeah yeah hopefully we'll record something next time because i have some i new things that i want to work on like some jazz stuff and things like that and he's playing the kurtan band as well at the mothership, yeah, that you? was a time. Yeah, yeah. At the mothership, that's uh, yoga lounge. The yeah. mothership yoga lounge, Kurtan. Uh-huh. <laughs> what would you think of Kurtan, Zev? I mean, very slow, very repetitive. <laughs> the same three chords. Yeah, my hand got really tired, but you know, it was, it was cool. It was different. So I feel like it was really cool just to like experience something new, and just kind of open my kind of my mind up to like different genres. And then I also took that into like. A different kind of like solo, like maybe some other kind of rhythms that I didn't really realize I could play. And you've written your own music too, is that right? Yeah, I, for some school projects and also just on my own with my friends. Like I've written some, I composed a, a jazz ballad that also had like some funk rhythm in it and like kind of like I like, I really like playing acid jazz and like kind of the main way I get to practice is soloing over different genres that I like. So I'll solo over like Felicuti or some kind of Latin thing. And this kind of inspires me to make kind of like music that kind of bounces around different genres instead of just staying in like only rock or like only hip hop. Uh I mean, it sounds to me that, you know, who else would have been exposed to all these different genres in, in a way where there is this, recognition of the transition and the similarities and differences between them uh fortunately you know your dad playing his music and and uh doing this kind of stuff uh it, with with you helping in nearby it seems like that has had quite an influence on you yeah like i mean i'll wake up and there's before school there'll be reggae playing super loud <laughs> and like there's there's al- there's always there's always music going on there's always like funk reggae rock any grateful dead fish anything it's all kind of like always just some music in the background like i feel like that's the same way he was saying it yeah, yeah so, i also yeah. tease Zev that you know while others might have like ninja training for their ninja son or uh-huh. night training right yeah. he he's been in jam band training since he was born that, that so right, right every day on the way to work i i, I test him on different <laughs> genres yeah so Zev, who, who sings, i call who myself a deadhead yeah I think who I, sings this song, Zev? What genre yeah. is this, Zev? So, he's been he, he's been in jam band training for a while. I love to jam. That's my favorite thing. All right. Well, I am. Uh, I, I have the song that you um, gave me. Mm-hmm. I want to play it, and uh, I want to listen for all these different genres in it. So, yeah, uh, that'll be that'll be kind of interesting. Let's see if we can do this without messing things up. Uh, hmm. Should I get some background on it before or after? You think? Uh, let me let me see if I can get it going first. So it, this is that Brave New Worlds song. Yeah, it's and a jazz ballad. Wanna, let's see. Okay, let's see if I can get this from the beginning. Hold on one sec. Here we go. 
Damn, Zevrus. That was awesome. You composed that, and you're the guitar player in it, yeah. I assume. So who else played with you on that, and how did it all come about? So originally it was we had to read a, a book for our English class, and then at the end of the year this was half of our final grade. So <laughs> I always try to put some kind of music into anything I do for English class because she kind of lets us – my teacher lets us kind of just go wherever we want. And so I read this book, Brave New World. George Orwell. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley. Huxley. You're thinking 1984. Yes, of course. I am thinking 1984. Okay. But um, there's this – they talk about this part called – it's kind of like futuristic, and they talk about synthetic jazz. So it's like kind of like elect- electronic jazz. It's kind of like gets in your head kind of weird. So that's why that song kind of had like some weird kind of like walk-ups and like very like diminished sound, a lot of like minor kind of like messing with your head. And the whole thing behind it was – um. They had this one part about synthetic jazz where, like, there was a lot of, like, they called Ford, like, the guy who made Ford cars, like, they thought of him as a god. He was, like, rising up and down a lot in this, like, scene in the book. So, like, a lot of it's, like, walk-ups and walk-downs. It's kind of, like, symbolizing that. And I wanted to make this thing, so I just – I told my teacher I'd go practice in the the studio, like, trying to create the song – most of the time I was like jamming out to fish tracks in the, in the actual <laughs> studio. I think I worked on it twice only. Uh-huh. And then I brought in my friend Snyder who played drums on this. And then my other friend Jack who helped me compose it a little bit who plays bass. And we just kind of had to compose it in like 30 minutes during lunchtime. And then the, we had like no time. They were all busy with their final grade project. And then we went in like in like 20 minutes we just recorded it through with the cord running through all the way almost down the hallway with like crappy little amp and like kind of just all of a sudden it just like it just kind of worked we we took like only two takes and then we helped with the help of my teacher who was a producer in austin we kind of produced it a little bit and like fixed up the drum changes and like yeah it just turned out to be really cool and then now it's like there's like some funky parts i made sure to add a solo like there's some you I'm gonna make sure I have a solo. Good yeah, job. Yeah. And there's the Wolfman. You can they hear how the like the there's Wolfman. all the different genres throughout the song, and like some tempo changes, which kind of shows the more like psychedelic feeling, and like yeah, I just think it it was a really cool experience because my first real per like original project. So I think that'll lead to some other th- cool things in the future. Yeah, yeah. And being in Austin, Texas, you've got access or you're exposed to. A lot of independent musicians, uh, musicians making their way and and figuring it out. And, uh, you know, you're certainly getting to an age where that kind of thing is is pretty likely that, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to start playing in a band and, and, you know, you're definitely in the right spot. You know, a lot of possibilities. Have you started making moves in that direction? I mean, from just like looking up to people at my school, there's been... I think now maybe five seniors coming out of my school who have now gone on to, I don't know if they went to college or not, but that now they've totally been in the Austin music scene playing at like aviator club. And like, I think one of them played at Stubbs once and like there it's just, I get to look up to that. And like, even at this age, like I see musicians who are, I've played with before in that, in our band at school. So I, 
I'm trying. I've been trying to get together with people. It's hard with people my age who are con- they've been kind of inconsistent, and you can't really depend on them. So I like. I've liked in the past playing with grown-ups and like looking up to them and like playing with people in Tier C and like music studios around. But it's. I want to definitely. No matter what I'm doing, I want to try to in my lifetime be in a band somewhere. Who are people. some of the uh, musicians that you've gotten to play with over the you know over the years? Well, my. Jakarma's friend, who's also another DJ in Austin named Mitty Mark. He does a lot of tech stuff, but he's a really good drummer and bassist. I've got to play with him. And also Anon, who you're talking about from San Francisco, who also plays bass, who does some reggae stuff in Japan. And like some of my friends. And Rob, and, who has yeah. the studio. And who also played in New York in a band. Yeah, he yep. has a really cool studio. He has a jam with Rob. That was That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. So he's he's gotten to play with some people and. I think you know he's just scratching the surface with how good he can be at guitar. What about what other guitarists do you look up to, Zev? For the style wise, I look up to Marcus King or Jerry Garcia or Trey Nastasio. But otherwise, I think just like general, like for soloing specifically, Jimi Hendrix or maybe BB King, just kind of bluesy, but also they go into kind of it could be kind of like Latin, like Santana or Charlie Hunter. So they, I like how they kind of – they don't just keep it the same the entire time, like the general blues solo. They, they go uh-huh. to different scales and they kind of – like there's some other kind of sounds from different genres. It's a little more like more creative. You, you ever try a slide? You, you ever play any slide? I have a slide. I have not mastered the slide. I'm definitely not close to mastering the slide. So uh, Derek Trucks. Derek Trucks is what yeah. I was thinking of, yeah. He's awesome. Trey I, Anastasia just started – it just says something that everyone's picking it up, how he's the greatest guitarist, and we all knew that, you know? I mean, he is, right? But, and that's, but coming from, that's coming from Trace. They're playing at Lock-In. Yeah. Yes, right. So next, right. this weekend? No, I think it's Labor Day weekend. Yeah, Trey Lock-in. and Derek Trucks. Together? Yeah. I th- also okay. John Mayer. It, it's, yeah, I think Dead & Company probably plays it. Are they playing? I don't uh, even actually know the lineup. Well, like, I, I ignore the lineup because I, 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 yeah. it's a torture that I'm not going out to Lock-In. It's amazing lineup. But I, I think... Um, Trey, I believe, is sitting in with Tajeshi Truck's band. Oh, for, my God. And then it's Grizz Good. and yeah. Lettuce are playing together with Marcus King. Do you know Grizz or Lettuce? Yeah, Trump? sure, sure. Yeah. They play at uh, Summer Camp. I've, nice. I've seen them a couple times. Uh, and I, I know, at least for um, Lettuce, you know, they've got instruments, but it's also kind of EDM sounding. Um, you know, Pigeons playing ping pong sort oh, of yeah. along those Soundtrap, lines. Soundtrap, Sector 9. I know uh, the newest Austin resident, uh, Marissa Goldman, is a big fan of Lettuce and Pigeons playing ping pong. So hopefully she'll get... Uh, have you seen Pigeons playing ping pong, John? I have, yeah. What do you think of that guitarist? The main guy with yeah. the curly hair and the eyes who looks at you? Yeah. He's crazy. Wait, what's the band you... Uh, the Great Echo? Hmm. We should remember you were... Lord listening. Echo. Lord Echo. That's a little different. It's a little reggae-based, electronica, down-tempo, but really, really nice. Lord Echo. That kind of reminds me of Grizz. Yeah. Like, a little low, slower. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I like the younger... Well, first of all, let me go on the record to say, when they took off Jam On and they put on the Fish, Fish Radio, radio. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, Fish yeah. has a radio. I was really excited. 24 then, hours a day. And then I thought, where's Jam On? Well, they moved it. It's like well, later down the Now scale. it's back. It's like 395 or something. 309 like or something. Yeah, right. I'm very excited that Jam On's back because yeah. that was the best way to be introduced to the newer Definitely. jam band scene because it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you don't hear it. I know. Where else are you going to hear it? Right. You know, you got to show up at Aqueous. Like Aqueous, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm happy that that Sirius brought it back. Galactic. They're 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 a little more New yeah. Orleans horn based, but they they've got some good jamming too. Yeah. 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 And I've heard them on stuff. there a lot. Like widespread and like what's it? What's widespread. The other one? A string cheese, string cheese, sound drive sector nine, all those oh, guys. Yeah. We've got a I'm our very good, ex- you know, sound tribes. For, I think from Detroit. And Is that where they're from? A good buddy of mine, uh, who's one of our neighbors. Uh, is friends with like the drummer, so they're definitely more. They, they kind of go more into electronica to me, like jam uh-huh. electronica. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I think they're 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 great. I'm very excited. Uh, in Austin coming here in September, we've got J Rad coming back. Oh uh, yeah! So I'm very excited. We I got to see them two nights in New Orleans in the spring. Yeah, and I think what do you think of J Rad, John? J Rad, uh, our other brother-in-law, Mark Black, and yes. I saw him uh, just a couple weeks ago at uh, Northerly Island. Your first time or no? Uh, no, I'd seen him before. Okay. I saw him at um, the Concord, which is a much smaller venue. What do you think? I, th- unbelievable. unbelievable. I mean, they are nonstop. Unbelievable. So talented Jeremy and so just kept going. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It's like seventy late seventies or like sometimes eighty three Grateful Dead. Yeah, electric, yeah. energetic. Yeah, I mean they jam so hard. Yeah, I, I'm just so one song into another. There's no breaks. I mean they're just going yeah. and going and going. And you know I actually talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago. J Rad is the drummer and one of the singers. Joe Russo. And, and Joe Russo, and to be able to. Be able to play that hard on the drums, nonstop, and to be able to keep his singing he holds it voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, really I don't. That, that 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 goes over my head. I, I understand yeah. a lot about music, but to watch him drum like the guy who, who's the Muppet, who you know, uh, animal. Oh, animal, animal. He's like <laughs> animal on the drums. He's banging all the drums, then he's singing. I'm like, <laughs> how, how are you? Those two things even happening at the same time? They're they're absolutely, I think, like one of the best bands out. I mean, there's there's so much good stuff down fish. For as long as they played, oh, just continue to sound. I know you got to see those Alpine shows. They did not come yeah. to Texas this year. Do that they, was have they ever been to Texas? Yeah, they and were there. kind of surprises Yeah, they me. came last year. You know, you're yeah. talking about the live music capital right. of the world, but I don't get the feeling that big bands come through there. I don't think Dead & Company comes through there. Um, uh, they came through last year. Dead & Company came through last year to the Irwin Center at UT. Oh, okay. But it's rare. That That is – it's funny. Yeah, that's ironic, I right? I why. We're the live music capital, but really in terms of – Bigger names, we really they go to Houston, they go yeah. to Dallas, maybe San Antonio. Um, obviously, except for ACL Fest, where which is C three presents, which is the same as Lollapalooza. Uh-huh. So very similar lineups that you get here in Chicago at Lollapalooza. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those bigger names you don't get. But you you know we've got, I mean, two of the most premier, more medium sized venues in the world. Right. With Stubbs being an outdoor venue, which is just so fun, right in the heart of Texas. Uh-huh. And, and in, in Austin, right. Well, Circuit of the Americas is large, not my favorite, but it's actually pretty good sound. And then I would say at ACL Live, the indoor yeah. and Moody, uh-huh. the Moody Theater, which is acoustically probably one of the most premier places to listen to a band in the world. Incredible. There, there are some unbelievable places. Where did we see Marcus King? Uh, at the uh... Marcus King played at Emos. Emos is good too. Yeah, pretty uh, good. Pretty I went good, to the right? Mohawk. I saw. Um, uh, Melvin Seals and Jerry Garcia band so at the Mohawk was last it, weekend. Was he? So that's across from Stubbs. He was touring with that band. He that's it's Mel, they call it Melvin Seals and the Jerry and JGB. Okay, so he's uh, he's the heart of that band. I, I mean, love Melvin Seals, but I got to tell you, I, I actually I don't remember. I think it was John Kadlecki was the. Oh, he's great. He's, he's got great. an unbelievable voice, 
and he's an unbelievable guitar player. Yeah, he's, it, it he's, was a great lineup. And so then played, Sunshine Garcia, oh. one of Jerry's daughters, right. I guess, um, was one of the singers. Um, John and, used to play further in the further band, yes, right? That's so right. we saw him. Well, in, and he's with um, Darkstar, I think. Darkstar. Okay, cool. But I, I also further because we saw him in New Orleans actually in a late night show at the Alhambra Theater. I think it was late late show. Um, the Golden Gate Wingman. Have you heard of them? No. So they've toured a little bit. Um, it's uh, so John on guitar. Uh-huh. Um, I want uh, uh, Jeff Chimetti on keys. Yeah. I was thinking it was Jay Lane on drums. Played uh-huh. with Rat Dog and different people. And he's with Wolf Brothers. He's yes. one of the Wolf uh, Brothers. Bassist. I don't know his name, but he's from Tea Leaf Green. Have you heard oh, of Tea Leaf I know, Green? I know Tea Leaf Green, but I don't. I didn't. I don't I mean, know them. I, I hadn't listened I've to them. I've seen them a couple times, but I don't remember. It's amazing. Yeah. And then one. I think they had Scott Metzger from J Rad as the other guitarist. So, what? Wow. I, I, I could be Super getting that one wrong, lineup. but yeah, yeah, great lineup. And they played late in New Orleans. Um, obviously, a lot of Dead, a lot of Jerry stuff. They played some Van Morrison. I mean, they. Yeah. Incredible. And, you know, that's the cool thing about New Orleans, too. All those guys are playing late shows and Joe Russo and all these people and Marco right. Benevetto. Did you and then we saw Jeff Chimetti walking down the street, walking down the street right yeah. by our hotel. We're like, Jeff. Oh, man. Hey, that's how's great. it going? He's like, hey, guys, how's it going? Yeah, it's like a yeah, super chill. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. But, and he's pretty recognizable with his hair and yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. And now he's with Dead and Company. And even though he's sort of seems quiet, like, you know, he's he's got such a great Well, he sat in with uh, the first night of J-Rad. Marco Benevetto towards the end of the second set had to go because he had a late night gig he had to get to across town. <laughs> so he's like, "Oh, I got to get going." So as he's playing, he's like, "Here, Jeff's going to play." And then Holy Jeff just cow. Jeff just slid in, That's and then the Marco the took off, and then Jeff Chimetti, you know, from Dead and Company, there just finishing up on he's the keys. He's so good at mashing yeah. with the guitar. Yeah, I mean, like, just amazing, amazing. And they let him play a little bit. Yeah, Dead and Company. Jeff's a little quiet. I want to hear uh, more. Right. But Whenever yeah. he gets in with, uh, I mean, I get. Wait, what? What's his name? <laughs> With I just who? On his name. Okay, well, Which? yeah, from uh, J Rad. Yeah, who's the um, the bassist from J Rad? Um, he's the guy from Ween. I'm blanking on his name, but yeah, what about him? I we saw that video with them jamming. Remember in like the jam bus or something? Okay. And then they were like, "Wait, okay, so Jeff Shimani, and then there's the other one from J Rad." Yeah, I don't know. What do you think of O'Teal, John? You like the O'Teal fan? I love O'Teal. O'Teal brings Funky, such right? energy to Dead and Company, and you know he's got so talented. Uh, and he can play with anybody. You know, yeah. he's one of the premier bass players out there. I yeah. think. And Mike Gordon, Mike Gordon, amazing. Uh, Les Claypool, another awesome bass player. Yeah. So those fish shows at um, uh, at Alpine with uh, you know that that was. Unbelievable! With it just turned into a great show. Weren't they rated like but some of the best of the? Like hard the to say. Now? I mean, I, it's all such a personal experience. Right, right. I had an unbelievable experience there. I just thought it was one of the greatest shows that I've seen. But um, yeah, I, I did hear that. You know, it generally got some. <laughs> How get, getting feedback. into Alpine? I've heard mixed reviews of Alpine recently. Like tough to get in or easy. Alpine's impossible. But impossible. once you're there, okay. it's unbelievable. It's hard to get it's in hard the to gate get to. And hard you know, to get in it's like, like lines. Side roads for like 30 miles uh-huh. from the highway. I mean, right. it's it's crazy. Uh, and they don't let you stay there. You know, like right. it used to be back right. in the day that you know you'd camp there for right. uh, three days. Right. And sometimes you come two days early, and sometimes you right. leave two days late. They don't let you do that anymore. Mm. 
Uh, and it's, uh, you know, there's there's no good accommodations right nearby. I mean, you got to really travel. It, it's not an easy place to get to or be at, but Worth once it. you're there, it, uh, it's heavenly. It's, you know, this beautiful countryside, and it's really kind of nice. Well, one thing I loved about the fish station is some of the interviews with, with Fishman and with Trey and Mike, and they yeah. talked about... Oh, uh, yeah, uh, and um, John Fishman's errant... Uh, geez, what's the name of that? That his little, little show. Is. He's unbelievable. Yeah. He's so funny. Well, they talked about Mike, I think, or Trey. I can't remember. Or Paige was talking. Sorry. Oh, Paige. And they're talking about the Baker's dozen. He talked about oh, how yeah. you know they did that. You know, they played thirteen nights in a row. Yeah. Didn't no re- repeats. No. Yeah. Repeats. They just stretch right. out the jams way longer and like push the themselves. Well, did you see the Between Me and My Mind movie, the Trey no. Anastasia movie? Oh, it's uh, just came out a couple Is weeks ago. That's his documentary? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it just, you know, you get to know these guys. Yeah. Like in, in a way that you wouldn't normally get to know musicians. And it, it was about how they shaped songs and, and how they interacted with each other and their families. It was just so revealing. It was mostly Trey, but, right. you know... He, it was like him traveling from um, uh, from one of them to another, and he'd go to the, like Paige's house, and then they'd sit down and kind of work out this song and work out that song, then go to Mike Gordon's house and do the same thing. So, I mean, it was just a very intimate nice. revelation of how these guys work together and their families, and well worth seeing. I think it was a when I saw it, it was a, a one night only thing. Yeah, you saw but, it in the theater, right? But now they're doing right. this like day, you know, this debut. Um, this follow-up thing or okay. the encore presentation. So right, it'll gonna, be out I'm going to be able to look at it. It's not getting buried. I also liked how they talked about, like, Trey, like, early on, like, meeting Fishman and seeing him in the oh, dorms. Yeah, and then yeah. he's like, I'm going to go jam with that guy. For sure. And they start jamming. You know, they him and Fishman yeah. went to Europe, and they're busking <laughs> in the street in, like, Barcelona yeah. and Paris and, like, coming up with some of their, right. like, earliest tracks that you know off of, like, Junta, or one of those albums. Yeah. And yeah. all came about, like, just screwing around, making, right. making music. So there you go, Zev. Just, just got to get with people around. and make music, man. I think you're in the right spot for that. And you were in Chicago for Dead & Company a couple weeks ago, a couple yeah, months first, ago. That was your first one. What did you think of that? that? Other than the weather. Weather wasn't much fun, but... The, our night, we went the first night. Yeah, it, was, it started raining. It was amazing. I mean... Without Jerry, though, but it was otherwise. I mean, Jeff yeah. Shimani, I he could have been louder. I feel like he's a little. What, what did you appreciate about the Dead and Company show at Wrigley? I appreciate Bob's energy and just yeah. how he still is like up there with his. You know, he works out every day. He's just right. up there with his like jam energy, making everybody happy, and like how with between the two drummers and like every different how they all just come together and it's like the jam sounds so nice how how about john mayer for yeah i was gonna ask you that what do you think i feel like his voice is different than jerry's but like he fits in he slid in so well he with jeff jimeni they like they when they play like off of each other it's just like it sounds so amazing and then whenever with oteal oteal has like such a tribal like weird style but then it they all kind of come together in like a really cool way that i never even heard because i never i hadn't really listened to them yet i was listening to like whenever you know you had old on stuff. just old stuff yeah so it was like it was different in a way but it was like yeah i mean it's newer so it doesn't sound the same but it's like it was really cool still it was i really think john mayer experience. rips it up 
Althea. His guitar oh playing God. is great. I, I, I don't love his singing voice. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't. It's a little poppy. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, he makes it his own. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not trying to imitate Jerry. Right. He's And he knows the material so well that he's able to go with it and, and uh, be creative around mm-hmm. it. So I give him a lot of credit for that, for picking up on it. Um, and, you know, frankly, as much as I love Trey, I think that it was a tough assignment to do that fairly well tour. Oh, yeah. And basically, you know, okay, six weeks, you know, learn all the songs, every single Grateful Dead song. We don't know which one we're going to play. I mean, that was a tough assignment. I think he definitely held his own. Um, But, you know, he didn't have that opportunity. And and so it's just a little bit of a different Who else did they think about having other than I think Warren Haynes maybe? Warren Haynes had been playing with them as as The Dead or or whatever they were calling themselves. So, you know, he was playing with them. J- Jimmy Herring had played with them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and even uh, Jeff, uh, John Kedlecki had mm-hmm. played with them. Right. But I think that uh, I get the feeling that John Mayer was like, you know, he's he's up here in terms of his status in maybe pop music. Yeah. And, you know, he was able to say hey, I'd like to play with you guys. And they gave him that opportunity because of who he is and, and what he could draw. And so, you know, I think it was a good idea. You, you expose dead music to John Mayer fans and you expose John Mayer to dead fans. And so it's it's right. had a nice... John Mayer, funny story is, I used to be an English teacher back in San Francisco at the Drew School. And I remember one of my students, it was probably 1999 maybe, and, you know, I think it was still tapes because we were talking about fish or something. He's like, oh, I, you know, you got to check out John Mayer. He's the most amazing guitarist ever. And I was like, ah, John Mayer. You know, he's like a, who is this guy? Pop guy. I'm not listening to John Mayer. Yeah. You know, and then almost yeah. 20 years later, there he is jamming with the right, dead. Right. I was like, oh, John Mayer can really he's play. Like, he's kind of weird, though, because he has, like, <clears throat> two different sides to him, like, with how he plays. He plays, he fits in so well with the dead, but, like, as he's on stage with all their, like, nice carpets he's in like the latest nike shoe that like some designer makes oh, and he's in all his like yeah his other side with his other that's too hip race. for you john too what? hip too hip for you designer designer sneakers well, that's funny, my experience with john mayer playing is like he shows up in pajamas and he's got like one leg up and you know he's not really even like you know he doesn't even uh, i as as down as as uh, uh, Bob Ware dresses, I thought oh John Mayer top. like. What's up with that, by the way, Bobby? The, come on, yeah. Bobby. <laughs> looks like a, what's happening with him? Looks like a troll doll. His hair is everywhere. <laughs> He's like, woo! He just, a mad scientist or something. All those guys. I think the 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 intent is, uh, I'm up here to play music, yeah, and I don't care. I don't care if I just woke up from yeah. a nap, and and that seems to be what what's going on there. That's yeah. funny. All right, uh, we're as much as <laughs> we, we got to close out the show. Let's play uh, Charlie Hunter. You guys were yep. talking about Charlie Hunter. You know, uh, we're, we're pretty open to being able to kind of play what we want here. What um, what's Charlie Hunter's song? Do you think you want to hear? What, what do we got? What? Are, give me a couple. So there's Charlie there. Hunter Trio. Yeah, Come as you are, Greasy Granny. Come as you Boy, are is good. That, that's good a cover. One. All right, play that's that. My favorite one. Okay, so we're gonna we'll close out. out Charlie the show. Hunter Trio. Uh, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. Adam Conley, unfortunately, missed this show. I think he's going to be pretty upset about that. Uh, he missed out with Jack Karma and Jeff Wolfman. Big version. up. What? What? Big up. Jack Karma Jr. What? 
you listen to the podcast version uh, available through iTunes or Podbean. Uh, Johnny Secret Stash, look us up with uh, no H, no H and Johnny on that one. And also check out the radio show available uh, through Radio Harbor Country. You can stream it through the internet, radioharborcountry.org. Or if you're sitting in Three Oaks or in Sawyer on uh, Fridays from 2 to 3, check us out, WRHC 106.7 out of Three Oaks and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer. And, of course, we are underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And we are going to close out with Charlie Hunter Trio, Come As You Are, Great having Ed Russ, Jack Harma, DJ from Austin, Texas, and his son, Zev Russ, the Wolfman, also from Austin, Texas. Look for that dude. He's going to be... He's going to be well-known. Someone's going to replay this 20 years later when he's uh, up playing arenas.